Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast, brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host, Cody Kitchen, sits across the table from Pastor John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kitchen, and joined with me is my friend, Dr. John Hall. Good afternoon, Cody. How are you doing? I'm doing just great. Good. So we are still in Luke chapter 9, <laughs> and we are almost done. This Sunday will be the last time we're in there for now, I guess. Well, in Luke chapter 9. Well, right, Luke chapter 9. Yes. We'll be going to Luke chapter chapter 10 next, but we were in Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 56, and the title of the message was City of Destiny. So as you prepared this message, what are some things that came to mind? I I appreciate this question each week because it forces me to look at the text, maybe even in a more unique way than I might otherwise. And what jumped out to me right away when I was looking at the text and getting ready to dive deeper into mm-hmm. it was how often Jesus was rejected. And as a 21st century reader of the Bible, it's just almost impossible for me to comprehend that he was as rejected as often as he was. The second mm-hmm. thing was how carefully orchestrated the life of Christ was. And God did not leave anything random circumstance or chance, everything about the Lord's life was purposefully leading to the cross in Jerusalem. It's amazing to see how carefully and sovereignly the life of Christ was orchestrated by the Father. That's good. That's really good. And personally, I know I said this last week, but I I really mean this. Personally, I've really enjoyed Sunday's message. Um, And I think you made some well-thought-out points to a text of Scripture that at first glance doesn't seem like there's a lot there. Right. Um, I mean, when you read it, you're just like, oh, cool. But I think you made some really solid points that made me think a lot. And you made your point clear for every listener that Jesus was destined to go to Jerusalem. Um, And your first point was the city of destiny was by divine orchestration. And you clearly pointed out that God is the one who clearly orchestrated Jesus' life, and he also does the same for us. You know, and I have witnessed people struggle to understand that God orchestrates our lives for his purpose and will. You know, and what I mean by that is I think people struggle with because of the evil in the world and because of all the things around the world, they struggle with God orchestrating their lives, you know, when things happen. And so my question is, how can Christians or even non-Christians understand that God orchestrates our lives in the good or the bad, or and the bad, I should say? Right. Well, first of all, it is so clear in the pages of the Bible. In fact, you could say that the Scripture just screams the sovereignty of God Mm -hmm. in all things, that nothing is random, nothing is by chance. God is orchestrating everything. So everything that happens around us, everything that happens to us, uh, everything that happens in life is carefully orchestrated by the Father. We call this providence or God's sovereignty. 
And then some would obviously, you know, their reaction would be to object to that simply because, well, what do you do with evil? Well, Christianity is the only world religion that even makes any effort whatsoever to deal with the problem of evil. (laughs) And I would never suggest, because the Bible doesn't suggest this, that God is the one orchestrating directly evil. Uh, He's not the author of sin. However, the Bible does say that he works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So he's even orchestrating our lives through the messes we make or the the messes we get into because of the actions of others, uh, things that are external and beyond our control. God is still navigating and moving us through through these kinds of things so that in hindsight, after we're through the mess or through the fire, however you want to frame it, we can look back and see God's orchestration and his faithfulness to move us through uh, seasons of life, whether those seasons are mountaintop type or valley type seasons. But to be perfectly honest with you, when I was a, a younger Christian and less mature and, and less knowledgeable of the scripture, uh, I, I didn't see this as clearly now. Pardon me. I didn't see it as clearly then as I do now. Right. And it's certainly a trait, an attribute of God I just admire beyond my own ability to articulate it, that he is sovereign over all things. He commands the wind and the waves. He commands the lightning bolts, the thunder clouds, the rain, the snow, everything around us. He is orchestrating. And I think that's a great comfort to the Christian, especially in a world that appears to be going off the rails. Right. And I think, and I'm not, I don't want to go too much into our next point, but I think too, the ones that, and if you're one that struggles with this, hear me out, is we struggle with that because knowing that God is sovereign, believing God is sovereign, and that he does have control of our lives is taking us out of the pilot seat. And I think that's where so many people have a struggle with it. And I struggled with that when I first came to to faith in Christ was there's so much evil that has happened in my life. And even when I became a Christian, that happened that it was hard for me to grasp that understanding. But once I was humbled to see it's not about you. Right. And so I think that's where people struggle as as what you were saying. Right. Because by nature, we want to think that we are the ones in control. Absolutely. We're just not. In the grand scheme of things, we are really not in control. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to be. No, and it's probably best that it's that way. <laughs> That's exactly right. And you transitioned, so to kind of go to our second point, as you transitioned into your second point by pointing out that Scripture says Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. One of the first things I thought of when you were going into your second point, was that Jesus' determination had to have come from his obedience to his Father. And when I think of anything in my life that I'm determined to, it comes because I not only want to do it, but I believe in it. That's something I want to grow with. And so that was one of the first things I thought of, is that that relationship that Jesus had with his Father, God, um, it, it was that obedience that he had towards 
his father. And even though he was rejected, as you talked about, ridiculed and not welcome in most places, he was still determined to please his father. Yes. And so my question is, as followers of Christ, what are practical ways that we can be determined in our calling as Jesus was? This is a really important question for every believer. For one, I think it is of paramount importance that we understand the nature of our calling. Hmm. And what I mean by that in part, at least, is that we are not called to follow Christ only when it is easy or convenient. We're not called to follow Christ merely on Sundays. We can't compartmentalize our Christianity, so to speak. I mean, we need to be all in. I don't get to take a day off as a parent. Hmm. Uh, I don't get to take a day off as a husband. Nor should I be taking days off in my walk with Christ, in the calling that's upon my life. And so I think it's just super important that whether life is tough, whether life, the wind is in your face or it's at your back, you're striving to fulfill this calling that has been put upon us by the grace of God through Christ. And I think practically speaking, you nurture that sense of determination to to be obedient to this call by reading the scripture, spending time in prayer, surrounding yourself with others who are also striving to fulfill this high calling. We call this church. (laughs) Every believer needs to be and is obligated, frankly, to be connected to a local church. I, I frankly just do not understand Christians who do not connect regularly with a church. It, it, that's woefully unscriptural. You just cannot make an argument based on the Bible for being a Lone Ranger Christian. It's not there. That should be our next That Stupid segment. That is stupid. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to kind of transition, and I love this part. I, I can't get over when I was reading this and even as you were talking is, you know, the conversation that the disciples had with Jesus in this moment, it's almost as if they don't listen or they <laughs> yes. don't get it yet. Yes, and that's why we love them. Yes, and, and I'm sure I would have been the same exact way. I would you have know, been. Growing up in that kind of culture where you're expecting – Jesus to be somebody else, you know, because that's what ha- was told. And now this man is loving and gracious and also in the same, he's put people at all in awe yes. of everything that he's done. And so in verse 54, it says, when his disciples, James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? To me, it's so interesting that the disciples still didn't get it. Right. And from last week, we learned that Jesus taught them a lesson about what being great truly is. And then here, we have another scene where the disciples still don't get it and want revenge. They're angry. And I think it's a natural human response. Sure it is. I know is. that's how I would probably respond. They, they didn't like what they just saw or what they heard. And, but then what we see is Jesus rebukes them. Right. And you started your message that... Um, that we don't know from Scripture what, or you stated in your message, that we don't know from Scripture what Jesus said exactly to these two disciples. 
but you close with the truth that Jesus came to save and not destroy. Correct. That Christ came to extend grace. And so my last question is like the disciples thinking they were justified in their response, how can we respond like Jesus and extend grace instead of thinking they deserve fireballs? And I ask this question because there's a lot of times that I want fireballs to be sent down. And sometimes they're right in my eyes. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that, you know, that question is, how can we extend grace instead of... Right. Good question. I think it's human nature to want to lash out and wound those who have wounded us, or in this case, watching a friend being rejected. Mm. And so I think being that they were the sons of thunder, it seemed to be in their DNA like it is in ours to want to call down fire from heaven and obliterate the ones that rejected their master. I think, for me at least, I can't speak for everyone, but this... I'm kept in check in large part most of the time, not 100%, but I'm kept in check by remembering that I have been shown such grace by God through Jesus Christ. That's good. And when I'm wanting to ask God to bring down a fireball on someone or some situation, I'm pretty much reminded by the gentleness of the Holy Spirit that I've I deserve fireball, and I'm sure there's somebody out there who'd like to call down a fireball on me, and God does not allow that because I, too, have been shown uh, such grace. I, I think later on, after Christ ascends and the apostles, the disciples, begin their apostolic type of ministry, and they begin to, to expand the work of Christ without him physically present on the earth, I think they became more gracious. You certainly read that in John's right. Gospel. You read that in First, Second, Third John. You read it mm. in First and Second Peter. You read it in James. Um, so I, I think there are, you know, it, we're all on a growth curve. And in the beginning, when we first walk with Christ, yeah, we want you know fireballs. But really, in the end, what we really need and want most for ourselves and and hopefully for others is that they might, they might know the saving grace that God has extended to us Amen. through Jesus Christ. And, and that's ultimately, I think, where all the disciples landed. And, and mm-hmm. we see their, their growth arc through the Gospels. And then later in some of their writings, not all of them wrote books that are included in the New Testament, but we get a glimpse into their growth curve. And hopefully... Yeah. God is seeing that, and others are seeing that in us, too, that our attitudes adjust and grow the longer we walk with the Lord. Absolutely. That's good. And as you were saying, that growth curve, it made me think about majority of the disciples died as martyrs, you know, died for— Held it. And so they believed that what Jesus stood for and obviously grew in that, and it obviously in their life, and especially as we read, as you said, that they extended grace plenty of times. And so that's a really good answer. And I think something that we all need to be reminded of is we have all have been extended grace to us and we are called to extend the grace to someone else yes. as well. Very good. So as we close, John, what are some final thoughts? Give us some last words of wisdom. Oh boy. What to say? I, I think for me, 
in preparing the message and then actually delivering the message twice on Sunday, just in, in hearing the message for my own heart that my life is being carefully orchestrated by God. Hmm. My life does matter. Uh, my life is heading in a certain direction, and, and I, I believe and hope it's in the direction the Lord is leading. And I think it's important for all of us to know that none of us are, are, are ultimately toiling in ambiguity because our lives are under the watch care of the eye of the Father. And so if we will avail ourselves to Him and yield, I, I think we're gonna, we're, we too are going to have this sense of my life is destined hmm. for something you know, larger than myself. Um, my life isn't impacting the world. You know, we often say to our children, not specifically the Hall children, but we have a tendency to say to children, you know, go change your, you know, go change the world. And yeah. the vast majority of kids are not going to change the world. There's only a handful of people who've really changed the world. Yeah. But you can be used of God to impact the part of the world where He has purposefully placed you. And I think for me that was the one of the takeaways. Really From the deep. message Sunday, I look at the life of Christ, and of course, nobody tops him in terms of his life impacting the world. He changed the world, no doubt about yeah. it. The rest of us, we try to live in the example of Christ to impact the world in which we live, and I think that's part of, of God's orchestration for every one of us to where he has placed us strategically in the vineyard. We do the work to which he has called us, and we trust him for the fruit of that. That's really good. And I think that's so good that we need to transition into our that stupid stupid segment. So, John? Yes. Okay, I just want to go on a little rant for all our listeners. <laughs> so this past Sunday, our student ministry hosted our annual dessert auction. And, and as part of the auction, there was a chili cook-off. <laughs> and so I went to all this trouble. It took me probably 20 minutes to make this <laughs> crock pot of chili. And uh, according to what I was told, I received one lousy vote. One vote. I further heard that the judges had a bit of a bias against any chili that had beans in it. Now, I don't know about you, but my personal sense of that is, that's stupid. Plus, the students caught me in the hallway and in the dining room and raved about how good my chili was. They were scraping the bottom of the crock pit, uh, crock pot, pardon me, uh, to get more of my chili. So, Cody, I just think it merits saying, that's stupid. That's stupid. And yeah. I will say, it was pretty darn good chili. Thank you, Cody. But in all fairness, the, the, those that won, they deserve to win. I, I, I'm not saying I deserve to win, but I did deserve more than one lousy vote. I agree. I agree. Well, we thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and we are so excited um, to just bring more of these to y'all. Thank you again for joining us. And to end this session, as always, remember... Make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Have a great week. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at infofieldstreet.com. At Thanks for tuning in.